I apologize to torture your ears, everyone. I've been exploring some keys to some tunes I run to. That was Songbird, or a quick opening excerpt to Kenny G's Songbird, uh, one of my biggest saxophone inspirations. And welcome to Bud Talks Podcast, episode 113. It's been a couple of weeks since I've recorded. Wanted to get a quick episode in as I am in the middle of a writing storm, in the middle of a exploration of vivid imaginations and dreams, um, specifically lucid dreams. I'll talk about that here in a second. But again, thank you all for tuning in. This is Bud. I write under Bud Hansen. My name is TK. You can call me how you know me. But I do want to talk about my recent exploration into uh, vivid imagination I've always had. As a writer, I've always had the world of words creating pictures, images, stories in my head, regardless where I was at, church, school, on the bus. Now I run and do it. I meditate and do it. It's gotten crazily vivid now that I've explored how to use it to benefit me with the creative writing on my website, vehicledigest.net. You can go check that out. Again, that's vehicledigest.net. Or you can see me on budhanson.com. That is my writing pen name. Um, the current stories I'm constructing and will be publishing in a book, Bourgeoisie 1, book one of the Divine Nine Trilogy, will be dropping any day now. I say any day now. It could be a month. It could be two. I don't like to put dates on anything. I kind of shot myself in the foot last year with that. But with the explorations of vivid and lucid dreams, I've actually restructured the cover of that book. So I will release that any day now. Again, thank you all for listening to Bud Talks Podcast, episode 113. So let me talk about where lucid dreaming comes from and my... I guess, desire to want to explore that and actually take on the vivid imagination head on. Because for me, it was always, if I didn't, I figured if I don't take control of it, it would take control of me. So if you do have a vivid abstract memory or processing brain, then you kind of know where I'm coming from with this. I was probably eight or nine years old when I first started getting migraine headaches so if anybody's experienced a migraine, I've talked about it on my blog. I may have brought it up in an older episode of Bud Talks podcast, but my migraines date back to childhood. The first one I remember, I was probably third, fourth grade, and it lasted four days. I'd had migraines before that and plenty up until my late 20s. But the one in third or fourth grade was I was bedridden and I, my mom pretty much said I had the flu. I think I went to the doctor. Nothing really changed. There was never really any prescription pill that was a remedy to my migraines. I just kind of sat through them. I would get them and lay down, go to sleep. 
but the time in elementary school when I was, I think, I think the migraine lasted about five days. I think day five is when it started to go away. But I remember, I think by day two, uh, well, first when you, for me, when I have a, I have a stigma, the aura of sight kind of goes away. And when I say aura of sight, meaning I get a blind spot and that's always been the trigger or the onset of my migraines is that I would get a blind spot in most, I think it was my left eye, but the blind spot would be a early onset of knowing that I was going to have a migraine. So this, I don't remember having the blind spot when I was eight years old, but it was definitely something that kind of happened a lot more often as I got them going into my teens, into my twenties. And I'll talk about that here in a second, but being bedridden with a migraine when you're nine years old, is something I'll remember forever. I haven't really wrote about it or talked about it too much. I think I mentioned it in one of my blog posts a year ago, but by day two of this migraine, um, nine years old, I remember the walls started to move and this probably lasted an entire day. I don't think my mom really knew what was going on in my head. I had a big head, still have a big head, not arrogant. Maybe some people think I'm conceited or arrogant, but this migraine kind of took me into a world of the walls literally moving. It was weird. And I remember this like it was yesterday and I was, I was throwing up. Uh, like I said, I think the doctor or the, my mom thought I had the flu, you know, regular childhood sick, sick at home. He's homesick, but I had a migraine that lasted about five days, four and a half days. And it was, it was hard. I think by day three, I got used to it and I was just sleeping all day. And as I got older, these migraines started, I never had a migraine longer than probably four, maybe eight hours. Uh, I slept both of them, most of them off as I got older, but this one was the one I remember. And I, and the reason why I remember is because I was in my bedroom. We used to live on Deacon Street here in Portland, Oregon. And I was just facing the window. Couldn't go outside. Couldn't do nothing. And this migraine was just bringing me vivid dreams, vivid imaginations. Sometimes I couldn't tell if I was asleep or not. Of course, night would come. And then I think I would sleep a little bit and wake up by day three. I was like, like I said, I mean, everything around me was just kind of weird. And it feels like yesterday that, that, I mean, literally wasn't yesterday, but the idea is that the pain was kind of a triggering, it, it, it triggers a, a time that I kind of remember of these migraines following me up until about 27, 28 years old, which is about five years ago. Um, and I'll, and I'll, briefly kind of touch on what I did to stop getting migraines, but it was also the help of some, a process of, you know, changing my diet and health. But through my teens, through my early twenties, what really triggered them was intense workouts. Uh, I tried to play basketball. I was actually not good at any sports. I would go to the park, Alberta park or wherever, uh, Northeast Portland and play basketball and get a migraine. And like I mentioned earlier, the first trigger or the first onset that I knew 
was a symptom a symptom of blindness. So I would get a blind spot in my left eye and I would just say, okay, I'm getting a migraine and just go straight to bed. And this happened up until I was 27 years old. It got worse, I remember, when I moved to... So I did a school year at UNLV in Las Vegas, Nevada. And that's when it got worse. I think I was stressed out because of school. I was working eight hours and then had homework. I mean, I was 19, 18 years old at the time. And that's when the migraines actually got worse because I was probably getting them once a week. And I didn't remember having insurance or every time I did go to the doctor, even when I got in my twenties, when I got health insurance and had a good job, there was nothing that the doctors really said that really told me what could prevent them. Uh, I always thought it was a hydration problem. I would hydrate myself and still get a migraine. I would try to run and do stuff. I, I got a lot, I got a lot more active in my early twenties and that still brought on a lot of migraines and these migraines would pretty much end my day and there would be a some of a, a hangover the next day and I would always kind of have that throbbing pain in my left side and you know when you do have a migraine you can't do anything during the migraine but it gets better once you have the hangover which is I call it a migraine hangover it's not any better but it's still a headache you can just actually function you just you tilt your head to one side, you can kind of still feel the pain. But the one thing that these migraines would also bring is going back to these vivid dreams I would have. And a lot of it was kind of imagining what else I could be doing. I recall having one migraine and I think it was high school and went straight home and just dreamed up some vivid, weird dreams, whether I was playing basketball or I was playing with somebody else. I mean, it's, there's a lot of dreams I remember. They're just so all over the place. And I think the pain was subsided by the imagination that my brain would take me in. And I just got used to it for a while. Actually, I remember when I saw in college, I was running, I didn't run for the team. I wasn't an athlete, but um, as I tried to explore with these triggering migraines to high intense cardio workouts. I would get them and then try to figure out how to stop them. So I would hydrate more, but I would just end up regurgitating the water, eat a better meal, work out, regurgitate the meal and the water. And then I would hate that meal. Like I couldn't eat whatever I ate before the migraine. I think one time this doesn't really tell the good dietary story of it, but one time I actually ate, it was like a Totito's pizza. Then I went to go work out. I think I had a salad just to be mindful of, you know, greenery in my system. But I still threw up the greens, still threw up the salad and the water. And for a while, I just left athletics alone as far as running or working out. And it wasn't until... When I started working in office settings, I started to, you know, I I was kind of financially stable, had health insurance, and I remember being prescribed a couple pills, but even with that, going back to working out intensely, it never really ended my migraines. What really worked, I would say, is 
because I haven't had one in probably about four or five years. I'm 33 years old now. And I believe the last migraine I had was, I may have had one in 2017, but that's kind of a, compared to how many I had up until I was about 28, 27. I mean, that that one's kind of an anomaly to me. So coming out of the lifestyle of having migraines and having to kind of limit my workouts and limit my fitness was the help of one PA here in Portland. Her name is Leslie Gregory. And I told her about my history with migraines. I told her about my athletic lifestyle, even though I wasn't an athlete, but just telling her, you know, because by that time I was probably working out about 15, 20 minutes and then I would have to stop. You know, I think once I hit 35 or 40 minutes of where there was weightlifting or running, I started boxing at the time and I would get a migraine and I would tell her about all this and she would say, okay, you need to try this, this, and that. And I told her, I don't want to be on prescription pills because I saw what it did to my dad. So what ended up happening was we took all these blood tests. To make a long story short, it I um, actually started taking vitamins. I started taking an aspirin, the low dose, uh, the omega, B, C, D, and Duracin. And there's one more, I believe. Um, that, that's it for now. I'll, I'll probably write all the vitamins I do take, but after the cutting down on my meat intake, cutting down on my sugar and cutting down on just a lot of carbs, especially I used to eat a lot of macaroni and cheese, potatoes. I never really ate greens, even though I, I, I say I did, um, I, I didn't really as much as I should, but since the the daily intake of vitamins and cutting back on a lot of different uh, sugars, carbs, and meats. I lost a lot of weight up until this day. I was probably, I've probably lost about 40 pounds or no, that's maybe a little, yeah, yeah, about 35, 40 pounds. But going back to where I came from, I mean, I was probably fluctuated between 200 and 220 when I was getting those migraines and since then, I haven't really had them. And like I said, I had one in 2017, but that one was probably just because, I don't know, I didn't eat right. But um, And also in 2017, I wasn't really where I'm at now with my health and fitness. So I've kind of come full circle with these vivid dreams and being able to do a lot more intense workouts. I mean, right now I can probably run uphill three, four miles without stopping. And I feel great. Um, not, it might sound a little insane, but I like to put my body to that test because I can, I tried to 10 years ago and would just throw up and have the worst night or evening because of a migraine would follow almost immediately. Sometimes even at the gym, I would just get a migraine, have to cut the workout. But since my, you know, lifestyle of, you know, vitamin intake, the intense workouts have been able to be a lot longer. So that's why I have been boxing. I've been running, riding my bike, and I don't have or feel the limit to my workout sessions. I mean, I go full on. I mean, I've discovered my own beast mode in the gym, and it's been great. So 
figuring out that of overcoming the migraines. I've also been able to take my lucid dreams or vivid dreams to the level of vivid dreams. So if anybody doesn't know what lucid dreams are, uh, you can Google it. I'm not an expert on how to lucid dream, although I've kind of figured out how to do it. Um, I'm kind of in the beginning stages of controlling my dreams. So lucid dreams are pretty much when you project what you want to dream about. Because for a while, even 10 years ago, I mean, I was having dreams I didn't want to have. And they were scary. I would wake up depressed and then think I was, you know, a part of that vivid dream I just awakened from. But over time, I started to kind of see what people and how people would control or people would kind of gauge and how they can, I guess, project their own vivid thoughts and not let it take control of their life, but instead take control of their brains and their imagination. And what better way to have fun than, you know, have your brain do it for you at night. So with lucid dreams, it really helps if you learn how to meditate. So I've been meditating for a couple of years now, and I'm at the point where um, I'm actually quite fortunate to be in the position I'm in with my meditation skills. I can, I've learned to quiet my mind to a complete calm state, and I can probably do that within one or two minutes. And that's kind of the first step to lucid dreaming. So you would pretty much create a self mantra. Uh, the most simple one is if you're going to try to lucid dream, you want to meditate, calm your mind and tell yourself, I'm going to have a lucid dream and you can count your fingers. You can act like you're, you know, playing a piano with your fingers or whatnot. But what it really comes down to is shutting down kind of the outside world. I mean, you don't want to go to bed on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or whatnot, because that's just going to fog your mind more. I mean, one thing about being able to focus on my writing and focus on this current lifestyle of mine because I'm also looking for work too. So I can't really get too distracted by social media and kind of going back to quiet in my mind. I mean, it's just me and finding peace within that. So with the meditation, I'm able to gauge what I want to dream about as I fall asleep. And for the past month, I've done that. And it's been first it started off with, you know, it was all good dreams, positive dreams, you know, meeting people, I'm not going to get specific about my dreams because they're very personal. Nothing has been bad. I would say, I mean, there's been dreams that I come like, what the fuck was that? But lucid dreaming is really about where you want to see yourself going, or if you want to kind of get really creative with it. You know, you just kind of create a self mantra of, you know, what feels good to you. I mean, it may not be a specific dream that you project on, but what can come out of it is a good feeling when you wake up. I mean, I do wake up a lot more energized now that my dreams are controlled by me. And it's actually a, a lifestyle. So if you do have a lot of interruptions or whatever it might be, it may be a challenge in the beginning, but once you kind of get to that point and I would suggest meditation you learn to meditate. And as you go to sleep, create words, create, I mean, if you don't have an abstract memory, it might be a little more difficult because a lot of people say they don't remember their dreams. Although everyone has dreams, 
you have to learn to create your or put yourself in a very quiet, undisturbing place. So it's and I would admit it's not for everybody. It, it isn't because some of us are, you know, a lot more stressed out. And and for me, I have to remind people that, I mean, this is years from meditation in the practice. So you can't try it one night and give up because, I mean, I would have never got this right a year ago, not even six months ago. Hell, even three months ago, I probably wouldn't have got this right. But I'm at the stage where I can project a good feeling, good thoughts, positivity as I wake up. And through that, it does take me back to those days of sleeping through migraines and having these weird, vivid, negative dreams through the pain of throbbing migraines and it sucked and I wish everyone the best who does get migraines because for me I mean I had them since I was a kid and who know I still might get them if I you know slip up and whatever it might be something triggers it I never had until I met Leslie Gregory I mean I didn't really understand what my body was really dealing with and a lot of it was stress and anxiety so being able to control that and use that as my own benefit meaning when I do feel stress I know that it's time to go into a peaceful place and that's kind of my you know way of saying I've used anxiety to my own benefit so with that said the lucid dreams has kind of brought me full circle with the vivid imagination I've had it's helped me out with creating stories. It's helped me with being a lot more energized in the morning and most definitely controlling my middle of the night anxiety. So one last thing before I end this with the lucid dreams, you will, I mean, I've experienced, I'll just tell it like it is. I have experienced sleep paralysis with lucid dreaming. So sleep paralysis is pretty much when you wake up and you can't move. And it is scary, but you have to learn to trust yourself. There's not a big monster coming to get you at your feet because you can't move. It's just a part of the process of learning how to control your body through the night. And with that said, I will thank everyone for listening to Bud Talks Podcast 113. And in a couple of weeks, I will be probably speaking more poetic talk and keeping everyone up to date with my plans on poetry slams and open mics here in Portland. And I don't want to give any dates out on the release of bourgeoisie, but I'm in a very good place with the cover, the editing and everything that's going to come after that. It's just a lot that is going on in my life and I don't want to put too much out there because it's a lot in here. And I thank you all for listening. Again, this is Bud Talks Podcast 113. Peace, love, and hair grease. And with these, may you find your peace within you or the next thing that seeks you. Good night.